0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: So you've really, you're across everything before you even literally put down the first dollar and start start doing the process, right? Um, You've got to make sure that you're over every number.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this special episode, we're speaking with property investor Daniel Walsh. He's joining us once again to answer some of your burning questions and to give his expert advice on this installment of Q&A. We delve into the different strategies you can use to add value to your property whether it be commercial or residential and much, much more. Alright, so let's get started. The next one I have here is I'm a 63-year-old former self-employed married man. We have a home worth five hundred nine thousand dollars with a $200,000 mortgage and an investment property which is a factory worth $1.25 million with an interest-only loan of $530,000. It's rented out at $78,000 per annum for 10 years with a 4% yearly increase. Yeah, that's pretty good for commercial. As I'm finding it difficult to get employment, we're thinking of selling our home to buy a $400,000 place and are wondering whether to sell our factory and invest the money or keep it and live off the rent which could be potentially $49,000 per annum after interest. What should I do? Phil.
1: Well, we we're just talking about this before about locking in the price and he's done well, obviously, from this factory, right? He's, he's actually got uh, an asset that's already creating in passive income. So he's got $49,000 after the interest. So it, it sounds like he's already got passive income. He's 63 years old and he's thinking about selling it. So he's already done the hard yards and now he's going to sell it. I always say... You know, if you've got an asset, something like that, that's actually creating new income, it's something you should probably never sell. Um, And that's just because it's going to be very hard to be able to get that income back. So, and he's got the 4% yearly increase. He's actually increasing his wage by 4% per year uh, from that factory that he owns. So I think... You know, if it was me, I wouldn't be looking at selling the factory. He is obviously struggling to get employment, so he's going to need income. So the $49,000 is the income. At least he's got some good income coming in um, if he's not working. In terms of downsizing his house, I mean, if, if he's happy to downsize his house, that's the way that I'd be going. He can free up some capital and pay off his own home and buy a house that's smaller um you know and and be able to own the house outright and then have the forty nine thousand dollars coming in to live off that just means that if he doesn't get a job or he you know he's not earning uh you know as much money as he probably once was he's going to be in a scenario where he's debt free on his own home yes he's still got a debt on the factory but it's producing him income after everything so if it was me i would be looking to downsize my own house get rid of that debt and continue to keep that factory increase the rents over time um see what i can do to get that rent up i mean i wouldn't probably be still investing and buying more and more uh because of you know his age is going to be very hard to borrow at that point so i think i'd be looking more so how can i maximize the position that i'm currently in And i think selling down that factory would probably be a wrong idea if you did that way
0: and this is the thing that i'm going to mention here as well is that there is potential with your existing assets to do something with it. And what I mean by that is that he could look at potentially, depending on, on how big the factory is or what it's what it's currently got in there, what kind of tenant, is if he can actually somehow split the, te- the factory into something else such as maybe have an extra office in the back or maybe there's extra garage space there and rent that out, he could add additional value therefore adding additional rent to it and generate more revenue because I mean at $78,000 a year that's substantial and it's quite good but you know potentially if you, you know still there's an opportunity to develop the property um, you can easily bring it up to maybe a 10% return, which would be about 125,000. Now, I don't know how the factory looks like, but I'm, I'm guessing, I'm making assumptions here, is that there is opportunity because it's a, it's a factory, you know, there's plenty probably other space. So I would go in and, and renegotiate with the tenant when that comes up to to see that they can actually get some some free space that he can do some kind of development to add additional revenue to it. Um, In addition as well, depending on your home, there may be also some upside there too, to add some renovation and to get some equity out of it as well. So you know, rather than saying look at downsizing, maybe you might have that extra space and you can rent it out. So yeah, opportunities there that I think that could be well well worthwhile to look at it, unless, you know, because we don't know the exact situation behind it, but I think definitely worthwhile to explore these options to see if they can be value added to these properties that you have.
1: You don't want to be jumping the gun and selling something until you know you have a sound strategy at the end of it. Um, and especially something like a factory unit where it's already giving him income. Uh, you know, Like you said, there's, there's plenty of opportunity maybe there to, to look at how can we increase the income from the assets we've already got uh, rather than selling them down. Because once you sell them, you then need to look at where you're going to invest the money next, and what return will you get there. He's doing quite well, and I think that you know if he can look and explore those different you know opportunities that he may be able to have in front of him. I think that that's definitely a good option for him going forward.
0: I actually want to add one last thing because I'm going to talk from personal experience. I have a commercial property, which intentionally when I first purchased it, I just wanted to take the get the revenue from it, like the rent coming through. Um, after exploring and speaking to various um, town planners and also builders and so forth, they said that I could actually develop the property and add a few more units in the back because it was a free block of land, plus I could build up as well and build to the side. Now if I didn't do that research and ask, I wouldn't have known about that and therefore would not would have potentially missed out some extra revenue there. So. There's no harm in just going out there and having a look and exploring and now that I've, I've discovered that I can also add more, I think I'm going to be able to increase my revenue for about an extra 500 on the front and then another 1000 on the back. So about $15,000, you know, sorry, 1500 extra per week because I, I just did a little bit of research. Obviously, there's going to be costs involved to, to develop it but, you know, for that extra revenue and that income, wow, you know, that that's going to definitely add and increase the value of the property and therefore you could potentially draw the equity to invest into more properties down the track. So just an example like that is is definitely possible and I'd say just explore it first. Okay, so the next question I have is from Mary. Um, She says, help, we are in our late 30s with two kids under four. My husband is on $100,000 and I'm on $70,000 per year. The mortgage is $130,000 on a house value $500,000, we have no savings and we have a couple of credit cards though they're paid off each month. So here's our problem, we don't fit in our house or our cars so we need to upgrade. We could subdivide and build a 2 bedroom house for $250,000 but we've lost a lot on investment properties in the past over $100,000 and are scared we'd make the same mistakes again. What should we do?
1: We've got to take into account that we've got a another block at the back of this house. So are they looking to expand and, and build a second dwelling so that they can live in both of these dwellings? Or are they uh, looking to sell one of those to be able to, to go in the back? I guess that's a, an unknown. Um, but it really depends. They obviously want to upgrade. They need a bigger house overall. So I'm not sure what the front house or the house that they've currently got is in size. Um, But it depends on what they're looking at doing. If they are going to go the way of selling, uh, firstly, what I'd be doing is saying, well, they've already really acknowledged that they can subdivide. So to add value to that property, at least go get the DA approval so that if you do go to sell that, you can sell that with a DA approval and maximize your position on the out. So meaning that you're going to get the, the most value out of that property before you sell it. Um, because a lot of money is left on the table if you don't go through those hard yards of DA approving it, um, especially if you're going to sell it. So I would be looking to do that um, if I'm going to sell that property and upgrade. What do you think?
0: Totally, totally agree. And that's the thing people will really underestimate, even though it may sound like a lot of work and a lot of it is unknown. You know, if you haven't spent a bit of time understanding how developments and subdivisions work, it can be a complete, I guess, um, black hole there and you, you can go into a lot of, you spend a lot of money for getting a very little return. So again, the first thing is is probably first to educate yourself on how this all works, understand what the process is for sub-development, sorry, subdivision before you go into any of this because it is considered a little bit of a, uh, I guess, property development strategy. I wouldn't say it's advanced, it's not too hard, it's probably a sort of a medium strategy that you could get into. Um, but you do need to spend a bit of time educating yourself. If you're stuck on that, I'd say just probably speak to a lot of uh, town planners and get a few quotes around and get guidance from them because they're going to be the experts knowing you know what's possible and so forth. Obviously you know that it can be subdivided so um, I would start getting Finding out roughly how long it's going to take, speak to the council, what's what are the requirements, speak to a few architects, a few town planners, and get some quotes. And then from there, you know, make an informed decision based on what's going to be involved in this whole process. And by the end of it, if it works out that okay, we can subdivide it and build a two-bedroom house and still get a good return by renting them out, then it's definitely worthwhile, you know, to actually keep it. Um, I know there's possibly some fear and, and you know you're worried about making mistakes. Yes, mistakes are probably going to be occurring but I think at the same time, you'll build up that muscle and that strength you know, to help you do this in the future because ultimately investing into property is going to be a skill that everyone will need to learn, it's not something that you just all brought up that you know how to do. So yeah, but you can minimize that risk by seeking out really, really good professionals and surrounding yourself with a team and that, that's what I think is going to be key for you to do this as well too. Um, coming back to the strategy of what you want to do, you know, uh, if you want to fit into the house or you need to move out because if you've, you've got more cars and so forth, then maybe consider renting for that period of time and renting out the front house that you've got there and doing the, the subdivision. So that, that's possibly another option as well. What do you think about that?
1: It all comes down to as well the state that they're going to be doing this in. You know, I know that in Victoria we've done uh, subdivisions there, and DA approvals cost between fifteen and twenty thousand dollars, where we've been able to build townhouses to the rear of properties. So, it's it's a misconception sometimes it's going to cost to be able to da a property so you've really got to look at it and and explore those options but it's vital to make sure you have your architects your town planners and you have the right team on your side before you jump into it because what happens is often people say i can subdivide but they don't actually do the numbers on Is it going to be viable to subdivide? And that's the key thing here. Not just because you're subdividing, just because you're developing. And I know a lot of people think that that's, you know, kind of sexy at the moment where they're developing and they're doing all these different things and that's what they want to go down that track. You've got to look at it and say, is this going to be viable to do this? I've seen a lot of times where people that are going to say, let's say they're going to do a development and then sell the development. It's actually more viable to do the DA and sell it at a premium than it is to do the development, especially if you don't have the contacts, you're not doing it every day, um, where, you know, you're going to have to pay someone to manage that project as a project manager. It's going to cost you more than, say, a professional developer at that point. So it depends on how much or how far they want to go down that, that track if they're going to keep them and rent them out and then leverage the equity to buy their own home, they could definitely look at doing that, living in one, DA approving, building the next one, and then maybe even moving out of it and keeping them as rentals. They could look at doing something like that. Um, But you've got to really make sure that the numbers stack up before you do it. You've got to make sure you have your contingencies in there. Um, So you're across everything before you even Literally put down the first dollar and start start doing the process, right? Um, you've got to make sure that you're over every number.
0: My suggestion to add on to that is to have three possible exit scenarios rather than just focused on the one because at the moment, we're looking at one scenario for you and, and possibly two, but I'd say sit down and brainstorm what are the potential three different scenarios and we've kind of already helped you with two and maybe see what the other options is for the third one write down, compare them and do the numbers on each one and then see which one works out for your scenario because ultimately, if one scenario doesn't work or one exit strategy doesn't work, then focus on trying to figure out if the other ones will work so you've got fallback plans and that's the way how we can always mitigate risks because I understand that from what you're saying, you're worried about making the same mistake. To mitigate any mistakes, you've got to make sure that you have as many exit strategies as possible because if one doesn't work, at least you've got fallback plans to you know, work out and I think at the end of the day with any type of investment into property or anything like that, the way to mitigate risk is to make sure that you have all the facts in front of you, e.g. due diligence, making sure the numbers stack up and so forth and seeking the right team around you as well.
1: I was going to say, I think with that as well, making sure before you even do anything, go to your broker. If If you're going to go down that track of, okay, I do want to develop it, I do want to add something to the back of that. The very first thing I would do is is go straight to my mortgage broker or straight to the bank, whoever you deal with at that point, making sure that they're all over this sort of stuff and saying, what is my serviceability? How much can I borrow? Um, can I actually get a construction loan and can I do this development? Right? Because you've you know it might be viable, but you've got to make sure that you can service it and you've got to make sure that you can get through it to the other end. A lot of uh, especially small time developers they've done it once or twice and they end up going broke because at the end of the day, you know they can't get the loans or they can't get it across the line or something goes wrong and they haven't had the contingencies that they should have had and then next minute they can't actually complete the development. So making sure you can complete it if you're going to do it and making sure that you actually – the first thing you do is you go see what's your serviceability like and can you complete it from a finance perspective.
0: Coming up after the break, Daniel Walsh answers more of your questions and talks about how looking to the future isn't always the right mindset to have.
1: I'm an advocate of I want my money now and I want it to be working for me now and locking it away into something that's unknown that I can't control and I don't even know where the rules are going to be in the next 30, 40 years.
0: Why you should be investing in property at a young age?
1: What's the likelihood of it going down over the next 30 years? it would have to be next to zero in my opinion. So, you almost got no risk associated with it.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey, are you enjoying the Q&A session with Daniel? If so, please keep sending your questions through. Also, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you, my listeners, just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, 0 to $3.5 million in 6 years, 5 Steps to High Performance Property Investment and Quote Property Investory, you'll get 50% off a strategy session with Daniel. He'll personally put together a property plan during this session which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 431 and quote property invest story. Okay, so let's take a look at the next question. This is an interesting one. A few years ago, I bought a house and was taken to court. Ooh, that's no good. Sorry to hear about that. Uh, I won the case, but was wet I, I won the case, but was left with the house repairs, bad debt, and also one hundred fifty-seven thousand dollars lawyer's bill. Ouch. This has been putting me in $500,000 in debt with $120,000 in a loan at 10%. Wow. I'm 51, married with one 23-year-old who's moving out in a few months' time. Okay, that's good Um, in in some sense. Should I sell the house and walk away with $50,000 considering I earn $2,000 per week after tax? Am I better off cutting my losses and starting again or should I look for another investment to somehow offset this? Thanks, John.
1: I guess one of the big things is um, how we we've, we don't know what his equity position is. Is, is probably the, the hard part. Um, so looking at you know can he leverage out or can he you know salvage? I guess the investments that he has now. Uh, he's obviously paying a one hundred twenty thousand dollar loan at ten percent. So that's quite hefty there. That's going to hit the cash flows. So it's it's one of those um, scenarios where we don't have I guess the full story on it, but looking at the cash flows, what I would say is firstly, I'd look at the overall cash flows on what is it costing you per year in terms of the loan and the debts. Is it going to be better off to just reset and sell everything and reset and start again and and instead of having a 10% uh, loan, you could then be going back down to threes and fours, right? So I think it depends on what is the overall cash flow scenario at that point? And then looking at how long is it going to take him to get to where he needs to be? So looking into the future, the next 5, 10, 15 years, if he keeps going down the scenario of paying the debt, where is he going to be at the end of this if he holds? Or if he does sell everything and he resets, can he then you know save up some money, get back into that position where he can go out there and start buying investments and start getting back into the market and reset everything with you know 3 to 4% interest rates instead of, say,
0: 10% factor in also the cost as well to sell because that, that's the other thing that may also hit the the total um, income that comes back down and also to take in consideration that it's opportunity costs. So as what Daniel said, if you do sell, the opportunity cost that you could potentially put that money back into another investment might be actually a better option. Now as we don't know the exact numbers, I'd say run the numbers on both scenarios where you don't sell, how much is it going to cost and say after 10 years, what's it going to be potentially worth? And then second scenario is if you do sell, how much would you actually get back that you could potentially reinvest in the future?
1: The scenario that he's in now, if he doesn't sell, can he continue to build his asset column while, you know, over the next 10 years while paying these debts, right? Or is he in a position where you know, resetting and starting again and actually getting himself back on board in terms of you still have $50,000 obviously at the end of it, he reckons. So if he can get back on board and start investing all over again, will he be in a much better position to accumulate assets over the next 10 years? Whereas he might be just treading water the way he's going for the next 10 years. So you've got to look at the position and say, Am I going to be prospering in the next 10 years in this position if I continue to pay down this debt and and stay the course? And can I keep investing, which it sounds like it would be quite hard you know, with 10% loans at 120000 or do I reset and then get into a position where I go, you know what, I'm going to knuckle down, save, I'm going to put more money away, and I can actually then build my asset column up over the next 10 years to get myself back into a position.
0: I'm going to also sort of be a little bit brave as well too, and, and put my point of view out there. Now, whether or not you agree with me, John, is, is, is my point of view here. If I was in this situation and, and I, I you know, had this property, and there was also with repairs and, and all sorts of things as well, I would probably have this lingering over me for a while, and just think, okay, it's too hard. So, I would probably go ahead and, and try and clear this out by selling it, and um, obviously try and get some tradespeople just to repair it before you put it on the market to sell, and then just start afresh because having this on my mind and, and just having this experience on my mind of having such a bad, um, a big bill from the lawyer's bill and so forth, it would probably tarnish me from wanting to invest any more in the future. So that, that would be sort of my path that I'd go down and start afresh and then get more assistance and guidance from a team around me to find good investment properties that will help me without you know, having to go down a path like this again. Um, this is a learning lesson and I think a lot of people would appreciate and being honest that you've actually shared this with us so I really, really want to say thank you that um, you've been able to be open about this and it's a good thing that I think we can all discuss and try to see how we can help you as well too. So yeah, okay. All right, well let's uh, take a look at another question. That one's been an interesting one. The next one is from Sheridan. She says, "As I'm 23 years old and in my second year of working as a full-time registered nurse, I received $65,000 gross a year and I salary sacrifice up to the cap per year which is approximately $9,000 for rent and also living expenses. My question is, should I salary sacrifice more into super above the compulsory contributions or should I invest into a property? This would be my first one as well.
1: Sheraton, I guess this is actually a common question that I, I come across actually where people do salary sacrifice especially at young ages um, and they, they're putting you know the maximum amount they can into super, um, I'm an advocate of I want my money now and I want it to be working for me now and locking it away into something that's unknown that I can't control and I don't even know where the rules are going to be in the next 30, 40 years. I don't know what's going to happen with my super, I feel like I don't have any control over it and I'm going to have to wait too long and I might not even even see that money. Um, so for me, I would always like to control where my life is heading. So when you look at it, let's say that you're going to be, you know, you can get into a position where you can buy your first investment property, and you can start to leverage and build more investment properties. You could potentially retire yourself in say a 15 to 20 year period, but if you go down the salary sacrificing you're going to have to wait what another 45 44 years until you can actually access the super that you have so you might not even make it to that you know you might be salary sacrificing all those years and might not even make it there or we don't even know if you're allowed to access it at 65 or 67 at that it might be in the 70s before we you know actually get to that age so for me i think controlling my own future is is what I like and being able to control my own assets so that when I get to that point, you're going to have super anyway. You're going to have the super that when you retire, you're going to have a nest egg there, but maybe build something outside of that so that you have property and you have the super so that both of them are working for you, but you can actually retire yourself from the property much, much earlier because you have access to it now. So that's probably what I would be thinking is, you know, Let's control the assets now. Let's control my money now. How can I get myself out of the rat race? How quickly can I do that? Rather than, you know, more so being scared about how am I going to retire in my 70s? I think, you know, let's retire in your 30s and 40s rather than uh, 70s.
0: It is important to be looking forward and ensuring that your future is set up in the best way possible. But you can take control of that now by making smart investments rather than waiting for that money to come to you.
1: Your age, is going to determine what you should be doing and I think being so young and not having access to this in the next 10 15 years is is vital to sort of make up the mind to say you know what I have so long to wait before I can even access this it's a different story if you're already 55 and you know that you can be putting money away and their salary sacrificing you're going to get it in the next 10 years you know your exit strategy when you're so early, you don't even have an exit strategy. It's not an exit strategy. It, to me, it's, it's more so just put it in there and you know, it'll go up in value, but there's just no strategy behind what you're trying to achieve at the end of it. Like, what do you want? Oh, you know, Obviously, you, you want a higher super balance, you want to be able to retire well, but how about the quality of life in between that next 45 years? What happens if you get yourself into a position where you're very comfortable with three, four, five investments in the future where, you know, once you get to your mid 40s, you go, you know what, I've actually got enough financial security that I only have to work part time. Is that not a better quality of life over the next 45 years rather than having to wait it out to get to your maybe mid 60s and early 70s to be able to actually access that? And then who knows by then your health might not even be able to get you there. So I think... It's really, you know, depending on your age is what you should do at that point. Um, but I think being really super young, I think that you, you could actually be buying assets now that you can control that are going to compound over the next 30, 40 years, and your wealth will be able to compound. Remember, you're, you can leverage up to five times in the property, right? Your dollar goes five times further by being able to leverage your money And you could buy, you know, even a $100,000 deposit could buy you a $500,000 house. Now, all of a sudden, you're using the compounding interest over time and leveraging yourself five times so that you know that you're going to create more wealth over the the long term. So I think that it really comes down to your age at the end of the day as well. And I guess when you look at it from that perspective, if you're investing in your early 20s, which we're starting to see a lot more people even come through here where they are in their early 20s investing. You have, you know, people look at it from a risk perspective. You have next to no risk because you have the next 40 years, 50 years ahead of you, right? So you can minimize that risk because you're thinking long-term and you say, you know what? I can buy an investment property. What's the likelihood of it going down over the next 30 years? It would have to be next to zero in my opinion. So you almost got no risk associated with it. I see more risk when somebody's in their mid-50s trying to do this, right? Because they have a time limit to be able to achieve it. In your 20s, you're out there just grabbing assets, accumulating assets that you know that are going to make you more wealthy in the future.
0: Hey, just a quick one before you go, I've asked Daniel Walsh to do something special for you just to say thank you for listening. When you sign up to get a copy of his ebook, 5 Steps to High Performance Property Investment, you'll get 50% off any future strategy sessions with Daniel. He will personally put together a property plan during the session which is the first step to building a successful portfolio. To claim your special offer, simply visit yourpropertyyourwealth.com.au or text 0431 Two five one six zero nine and quote property invest